from the studio of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey. This is Teeing It Up for Tuesday, February 13th, the year 2018, on this Tuesday cold night in February, and it is my pleasure on Teeing It Up to welcome back to the show my QU buddy, Mr. Steve Cerruti, who now has a much longer job title than the last time he came on. He is the producer of The Will Kane Show on ESPN Radio, Mondays through Fridays, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the producer of the Ryan Lucillo Podcast, which comes out weekly on a random day, basically? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Um, <clears throat> he's also a, a 49er fan, and that's where we're going to start. Um, your team was bad. Really bad. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. And then they make the trade... And everything changed. So l- 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 let's start here. Did you honestly think there was a chance that you would ever get him on your roster? Period. Uh, well, and thank you for the introduction. Sounds much more important than it is, but I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, uh, as a Niner fan, I mean, and when they hired Kyle Shanahan, it seemed like everything was pointing to this summer they would get Kirk Cousins because they were together in Washington and, you know, Kirk seemed to like him and Kyle seemed to like Kirk. So that's kind of where I was thinking the future because, they, I mean, they obviously have a ton of cap room. They could offer him probably more money than anybody else. So I was just kind of waiting and figuring, hey, they're not going to draft the quarterback. They're, they're not going to worry about it until they just sign Kirk Cousins this offseason and maybe try to have a team ready for him when he's, when he's there and be ready to win immediately. Um, so when that trade was made, I was, I mean, I was stunned. And it was honestly one of those things where, I was, I was stunned, but it, it was it was something that was so good because you could tell how much the Patriots didn't want to let him go. And, and as the days kind of went on, covering that story and, and hearing from different people, like it became pretty apparent that Belichick had no desire to let Garoppolo go. That wasn't his decision. So the fact that they got him for a second round pick and Bill valued him to me was, you know, I I already figured it was it was a lock that he was going to be a good player. Now. The team, he walked into a team that was a disaster, that had almost no talent on offense outside of maybe Carlos Hyde, three-week offensive line, and a young defense. And, you know, for him to do what he did and win those games, I know the stats are, stats can kind of tell, you know, paint whatever victory you want. And his stats were amazing, but they were good. But just the fact that he was um, able to, able to lead into an undefeated record and win those five games and finish the season at six and ten, um, Definitely was something I didn't expect, but something that I'm excited for you know next year to see what he can do with better players around him and just another year in Kyle's system. Um, what what surprised me was just was how quickly it changed on a dime. And and you can tell me following the team was this team lacking leadership because it sounded like all they needed was just a confident uh, 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 sorry confident guy in the huddle and everything changed. Yeah, I, I think you know. Brian Hoyer, let's be honest, wasn't the guy. And, again, like I said, I, I just figured they were going to stopgap it until they signed Kirk Cousins. So when they got went out and got him, I was stunned. But I think they needed, you're right, they needed one guy to say, hey, this is our guy going forward because they didn't have that. And, and you know, it, it's really hard for anyone else in any other position, especially on a young team like that, to really have anybody step up and be a leader. So for him, coming from, that, or coming from the Patriots, obviously, like he learned from the best there was. And, and head coach and quarterback, and 
I think that he stepped in, and it wasn't even, maybe it wasn't like vocal leadership, but it was just like how to do things. Like that team probably didn't know how to do anything because they had never really been in a big spot ever. So him stepping in and, and doing what he did, I, maybe we shouldn't be that surprised, but they certainly needed somebody like him. How far away do you think this team is uh, from being a contender in a division that has seen some change? Uh, Seattle's had hard times. Um, uh, uh, Carson Palmer's retired. Bruce Arians has left in Arizona. It's a division undergoing change. How far away do you think that team is? So I think the Rams are, are sort of here to stay. Right, yeah. I think Seattle is done. Um you know, I don't know, can Russ carry that team? Who knows? I'm a little bit more, um, I'm a little bit more skeptical of the 49ers next season, only because I feel like everyone's going to pick them as the darling team because they like Garoppolo and, they've got, and they're probably going to make some slashes in free agency. Um, I could, I could see them next year going seven and nine, eight and eight again and probably disappointing some people's expectations, but I still think that's a good step. I still think they're probably two, three years away from really being that good. They, they, they're a mess. Um, their offensive line needs to be fixed. They need playmakers on offense. They need they need a pass rush. They could use more linebackers, and they could use a corner for sure. So, I mean, they have so many holes. To plug that in one offseason, I think, is going to be impossible. All right. Super random 49er question. Have they fixed the Levi Stadium turf yet? Because nobody's seen a 49er game in about three years. So... So have, yeah. <laughs> uh, have they finally fixed the turf? Because that is that to me was so weird. You open up this gorgeous new stadium and you can't get your turf right from day one. Yeah, it, 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 it's better, but it's, I think it's some whatever it is. It's just not setting. I don't know if it's the weather or whatever is happening. But it was certainly better last year than it was. Like I mean, in those playoff games years back, it was terrible. Well, I mean, the old candlestick was always terrible. The yeah. stadium was almost just as bad. So I it, I don't know if it's if it's the new grass type of deal or whatever, but it was a little bit better last year. I'm not sure what they did differently or what, what it's going to be like next year, but hopefully hopefully it's not just like the environment or the weather that's there. Hopefully it's something that they can fix permanently. And then a, a Colin Kaepernick question solely about football. You watched him as much as anybody I know. Are you surprised that nobody has called him football-wise, that, that nobody has called him? Definitely. I mean, I, I, like, my thing has always been... He, it, there's, there's no arguing whether or not he should have had a job or not. He obviously should have had a job. Right. Um, you know, he, he did some things I think that the NFL didn't like, um, and he didn't do himself any favors. And, and you can you could argue that one way or another. But purely from a football standpoint, he should have been on, on the field. But having said that, we remember him. I feel like in 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 whether it's social media or you know on talk shows or whatever people who want to push that agenda we remember him like he was Tom Brady he was he was and, I, and you can throw the stats and I know people have floated the stats comparing his stats to Garoppolo during that five six game win streak but he wasn't very good and he was clearly not the guy that he was when he took the lead by storm and rushed for 181 yards against Green Bay in the playoffs he wasn't even the guy that he wasn't the guy that took him to the Super Bowl and the quicker that, that I'm just confused on, on when he became some sort of Pro Bowl level quarterback. He was never that guy. He hadn't been that guy for years. And whether it was because he was a vegan or whatever his interests were, I don't know what they were. But pretending that he was some superstar quarterback is ridiculous. But there's no doubting that he should have at least had some sort of backup job in the league. And um, I think it's, I, you know I think it's still going to be a bad look for the league as long as he's out. And it, it doesn't look like he'll ever get back in at this point. Yeah, I'm talking with uh, Steve Cerruti here on on uh, teeing it up. 
The NBA, and obviously I, I, I will plug the podcast, the latest Russillo Show podcast, available on Apple iTunes, features Adrian Wojnarowski, the king NBA insider for ESPN. How was that promotion? Um, That's great. I love it. <laughs> and, and you and, and uh, Ryan, before he came on, were, were talking about LeBron and, and, and do these trades you know, please LeBron, and is he now, you know, so super happy and floating on water? And and frankly, I'm not convinced that these trades have gotten them past Boston. And that, I, I feel like Boston has a fascinating decision to make, which is, if you think you can beat Cleveland, do you bring back Gordon Hayward? And I think the right answer is no. I've seen it for years with Tiger Woods that he came back too soon. But I'm really interested in what Cleveland, I'm sorry, in what Boston does because I'm not convinced that Cleveland is going to gel as fast as some people think they will. Those are nice pieces. And, and yes, those are better defensive pieces. But I think Boston has a really interesting decision to make. I, if I'm Boston, there's no way I bring them back. Uh, because I just, I would give them the year and, and figure it out. Unless, I, the problem is, if they, if they weren't going anywhere, and you wanted to give him a couple of games at the end of the season to kind of get his legs back underneath him for you know going into the next season, sure. But they have a whole—they're obviously going to be—they're they're expecting to make a run in the playoffs, and I don't think you want to put that on him first and foremost. My second thought would be, I don't think what's the what's the advantage this year? You, you, You're—I <laughs> I feel like you have a lot to lose if you throw him out there and you lose to the cap. So if you throw if you throw Gordon Hayward out there and you say, hey, like you're our savior. That puts way too much pressure on him. And the last point, I, I, I'm still, I was never really, I, we do this every year with the Cavs, and I'm, I'm, I know this year was way worse, and I know it looked awful, and I know they made a ton of moves, but I was still, I was still on the Cavs bandwagon for the Eastern Conference before the trade, and I'm definitely on it after the trade. And I think this whole gelling thing, I, listen, they're, they're fine in the East. They're going to be fine. And, I, and, that, and everyone wants to point to that Boston game where they obviously just blew them out of the, ran them out of the gym. I don't even think that has anything to do with it. LeBron James, as long as he is in that situation, I think is going to be okay. Now, whether you want to say he's going to be there long term, I don't know. But that Boston team, you're basically telling me that Kyrie Irving is going to beat LeBron James in a playoff series. And I'm just not going to ever buy into that. I'll, I'll never believe. I'll never, and maybe I'll go down on that hill, and that's the hill that I'll die on, but I'm never going to believe that. And now, if you want to say next year with Gordon Hayward back healthy, fully for a whole season, who knows whether LeBron's in Cleveland or not? I don't know. Next year, maybe. This year, I'm still going to ride with LeBron. Talking with Steve Cerruti here on on uh, teeing it up. Or I, 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 I am of the belief that Golden State, when it comes time, will just play like Golden State. They've got too many weapons. I I know that Houston has very much intrigued you. Are you willing to say right now that it's Houston, Cleveland, or are we still looking at Cavs Warriors? Uh, oh, I think I think we're still looking at Cavs Warriors. I, I'm just interested. Uh, you know, the, the reason that I at least give it a little bit of pause is because in that last game of, of, of a couple weeks ago in Houston, yeah, where the where the Rockets won and they took that with two out of three they took on the season from from the Warriors. Both teams were trying their hardest. The Warriors wanted to win that game, and the and the Rockets and the Rockets gave them everything they could handle, and that ended up obviously winning the game. 
I, I think it'll be interesting at the very least. I buy Houston a lot more than I buy OKC. I love Russell Westbrook, but I'm just I'm not sure he is the winning kind of guy that that you need in these situations. I still think he doesn't. I still worry about him in, in sort of like crunch time. Um, and I know I'm sort of, I'm being a hypocrite a little bit because James Harden obviously had a horrific end to last year's playoffs, and Chris Paul has never made it to a conference final. But I I just like the way that team's built. I love Daryl Morey. I love the way he's built the team and. I think if they're the one team that at least does what, they're at least the one team that can terrify the Warriors offensively and hang with them at their peak. And I know LeBron and, and the Cavs can sort of do that, but the, the, the Rockets are at a total next level. But I, I sort of agree with you in that case. Once the playoffs get here, I just think the Warriors are going to finally figure it out and be like, oh, cool, we have something to play for finally, and they might run people out of the gym. But I wouldn't be surprised if that, if that series went six or seven. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the biggest test that the, that the, Cavs, that the Warriors had all playoff long. Producer for the Will Kane Show, producer for the Russillo Show podcast. Let's let's just take the live three-hour radio show. I think a lot of people think that that you know the producer job is pushing buttons and 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 having fun and saying you know three sentences occasionally, even though um, Ryan has um, has all, um, has always given you some pop. What is a day in the life of Steve Cerruti, the ESPN radio producer, like? It's kind of a day, you know, it's kind of an all-day-long type of job, but you have to sort of be always on, especially during the week, um, whether that's, you know, looking for guests, looking for topics, looking for angles, talking with Will or, or Ryan about what they're interested in. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, we, you know I'll, we'll have ESPN, you know, analyst book that we have weekly, the guys that we like. We, we love Woody, we love Kenny Brewski, we love Darren Woodson, we love... Um, who else? Um, Tim Hasselbeck, uh, to name a few. So those guys you try to get in weekly because they're you know they're in house and it's always fun. And then there's the guests that you have to book outside of that, which is you know players, coaches, teams, guys from other networks, ex players, whatever you want. Uh, so that sort of takes up a good amount of time. Um, and a lot of times with Will's show, it's, it's very different from Ryan because with Will, he wants people to. He, Will really likes when people just debate him. Obviously, he loves first take and he wants people to disagree with him. So a lot of the, you know, my, my job there is trying to find people who have the opposite opinion of him so we can get them on and they can have a good discussion about whatever we're, we wanted to talk about that day. Um, you know, we'll have our pre-show meeting. We'll talk things through. We'll be like, Will, we hot on today. You know, what do you, what, what do you want to do? Which, which side are you on? How do we make your argument better? What, what sound can we get that can make your, your stuff sound better? How can we take phone calls on this? Um, so it's kind of like a whole day-long process of, of finding out what's, what, what's hot, what, what Will's hot on, and then going from there and how we can help him and make his arguments better or make it more interesting listen to the listener who doesn't want to just hear Will preach at you for, for three entire hours. That's why we try to bring in different guests and different callers, different pieces of sound that will at least break some of that stuff up. So, you know, that's kind of the day in life. And then a lot of times, I've been sort of, you know, fortunate where both Ryan and Will will let me sort of give my opinions on the air as well. And I think Will, in, to some extent, kind of likes that because he knows he can always bounce something off someone as a solo host. You sort of need that. Like, you, yeah. you need somebody who you feel like you're at least talking at. And honestly, Will and I disagree on, on almost everything. And that's not even, and that's not because I don't like him. I actually love Will. He's an awesome dude. And it's not even forced. It just kind of is the way it is. So it kind of, it works out that way. So every day, like, he'll come in and he'll say something. Like, he was very much pro-Celtics and I was very much pro. I'm still not sticking, I'm sticking with LeBron on the cast. So, it's, it's, it's always kind of interesting, and it sort of works itself out that, that way. We're on two opposite sides, but we always sort of find a way to, to try to make it at least interesting for the listener. Um, 
And then with the Russillo podcast, you're doing it on not on on on, on Ryan's time, but but <laughs> that's very much Ryan being Ryan, and it's very much what he wants to do. And if he wants to talk about house hunting in Los Angeles for ten minutes, he's going to do it. Um, and what's interesting as, as a listener, and I'm and I'm curious when when you've been booking these guests. You know, it, it would seem like there's almost no time limit for some of these guests because if Ryan wants to talk about some random thing, you know, take SVP. I mean, if they're going to talk about napkins, they're going to talk about napkins. <laughs> totally. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't put that past him. No. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, with Van Pelt, you know, he, he basically stopped. Ryan does it after. We do. We take the, the, the show usually after Will's show. So, you know, around 6 Eastern, Ryan will come in, we'll talk things through and figure it out. And then Van Pell, when he's on, he'll do it right before he goes over to his sports center meeting. So we kind of have like a good half an hour, 45 minutes there blocked off. And those guys, I mean, you know, both of these guys are ex-radio guys and they have a lot to talk about. And as much as, you know, Scott has his own TV show, he still doesn't get to do what he used to do, which is like giving his opinion on literally anything he wanted to. Um, he's still sort of constricted to the TV and the news of the day. So when they're together, it's kind of like freedom at last, where they can just do whatever they want and talk about like, you know, at old bosses who didn't like their show, or you know, you know, things that they used to like to do together, or what Van Pelt's life like now with three kids. So it's it's kind of the best of both worlds for both of them, and it's, you know, it's it's a lot easier for them to do. And you're totally right about Ryan. I mean, Ryan Ryan doesn't want to be forced to do anything, so. The thing with the podcast is he gets like a good 90 minutes or so to, to do whatever he wants. And he still kind of gets to scratch that itch of, of talking about stories, but he really gets to handpick the ones that he feels the most passionate about. A lot of them are NBA. Some of them are, have been NFL, and I imagine as we do this thing, there'll be more college football. But at the time, like a lot of the NBA stuff has been great for us, for the network and for everything, and Ryan's on top of it all. So it's a great spot for him to be in to like, once a week, hey, listen to what I have to say about the biggest news in, in, in the NBA because people really want to hear that from him. You know, when he asked you what Will opened up with yesterday, I was very disappointed to hear that he did not say Ted Potter Jr.'s victory at a Pebble Beach. I, I, I was uh, very... I know. We don't get enough golf in for you. I, 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 I know. All right, hardest question, riskiest question I'm going to ask you because you could offend somebody. Um, but it's it's hard hitting. It's tough. It's what you know. Teeing it up is known for. Not um, best place you have visited on a road show is oh, without a doubt, Madison, Wisconsin. I I would move to Madison, Wisconsin tomorrow if I could. <laughs> I absolutely fell in love with it. We went there for the Ohio State um, Wisconsin game last. This was no, this was two falls ago, and uh, it was. It was honestly one of the most fun things that I've ever done. Um, it's one of the it's one of the places where you just show up there and you feel like I'm I'm at home, like I could live here. And I'm one of the, I'm from the Northeast, so I don't mind cold, I don't mind the snow, and they certainly get a lot of it up there. But it is so beautiful. It's the, you know they always talk about college towns and and the ones that are the best. It's always, Madison always comes up. Um, Austin, Texas always comes up. And Auburn, Michigan always comes up. And uh, this is the only one of those three that I've been to, and I could totally understand why people want to spend, want, you know, never want to leave there. It's just like this really cool, intimate college town. Everybody loves the Badgers, um, and and the people there are awesome, and the, the the scene is great. And you know, I could deal with the weather being cold pretty much of the year. So, without a doubt, Madison, Wisconsin. One minor quibble: Does your fiance know this that you want to move to Madison, Wisconsin? She does. She, does. she, okay. she would actually be okay with it. 
Um, she's a North, she's a Northeast girl as well, so she wouldn't mind at all. But um, and she's a big sports fan. She went to UConn, so she's uh, she's not ready. To, I'm I'm you know uh, I'm going to Quinnipiac as you know. Like it's one of those things where we're not really quite big time college athletes, so we don't have rooting interest in a lot of these big time you know and any of these really big college football or basketball events. Um, so I sort of adopted Wisconsin as my team away from Quinnipiac, as you know. So I root for football and basketball, but she's a UConn girl, so she's sort of already taken in that sense. But she would totally be down. If you can convince the bosses to move uh, 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 Bristol to Madison, you're in business. I listen. I would do anything for that to happen. Although I, I imagine Will, I don't know. If Will Will wants to go back to Texas. <laughs> Uh, this is the eve of Valentine's Day. You did something right because you're engaged. Your biggest Valentine's Day tip for the folks out there? Uh, you know, just make sure you're not, you know, don't do anything too weird. Just be you. And, um, you know, you can try to go over the top, and it's the small, nice gestures that, that get you. It's not the one big thing every year. Just be, be, be yourself and, be, and treat your lady right year-round, and you'll be okay. Why do I feel like Bad Valentine's Day was a past, like, man advice segment on the show or something? It could. It very well, I mean, on, on life advice, I'm sure people yes. have all sorts of issues with, 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 uh, with Valentine's Day. I mean, we've got, we, we, we had relationship advice multiple times a week from that segment. Um, That's the one thing I missed from the old show. And that, and, and super quick, because I, I, have, I have kept you long. Producing life advice, the stuff that did not make air, because I know with my own relationship advice segment, I got stuff that I couldn't put on air that just had me in stitches. Uh, the stuff that you can't put on the air must have you perturbed, laughing, all the above. I mean, to be honest with you, we, we put, there weren't many things that we didn't put on the air. I mean, we would do, it would be whether or not, it would be sex advice, it would be, you know, guys who are, you know, in love with their with their girlfriend's sister, like really weird, risque things that like we would just let it kind of fly. Now there were a few things that you know legally we probably couldn't do that we would laugh about, but honestly, we let we really let almost anyone go on and talk. There was nothing that there was almost nothing that we held back. The producer of the Will Kane Show, three to six Eastern ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius. Check your local listings, and the producer of the Ryan Russillo podcast which is really good. I'm not just saying that because my friend's producing it, but especially at work, it's a really entertaining, light listen that you know does not require a ton of, a, of, of focus and attention. Um, weekly on iTunes and wherever podcasts are found. Steve Cerruti, it had been too long. Thank you for coming back on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Anytime, man. It was great. And thank you for listening to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. We will see you next time.